This is a short bite episode of Homeschool Together. Hello, game schoolers out there. Thanks for joining us. This is Homeschool Together. This is not just one of our short bites that lasts about 10, 12 minutes. I'm putting an interview with the game creator at the end of this podcast. So if you are interested in this game, if you're interested in the the creator or the ideas on how to create these type of games, I'm going to, we did an interview with him. And if you're interested in it, stay to the end, pass the credits, and you'll get to hear that interview. Yeah, so. our interview with Benny Sperling. Benny who Sperling. created this game, Wild yeah. Wild West. Wiki, 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 Wild Wild West. <laughs> no. So, Old school 90s, bad Will Smith movies. <laughs> no. So uh, Benny has been creating uh, print Just, and play games for a number of years. They have. Uh, what, what's a print and play? Yeah, a print and play is uh, basically a game that. You, Allows you to save $50. Uh, yeah, that you either get for <laughs> free or as low cost. In this case, this is a three dollar game, so it's three dollars. You get the you get the digital files, and then you can print them. So in this case, this it's basically the size of like a piece of paper, right? Right. So you've got a set of rules um, that are eight and a half by eleven, and then some play sheets. Now you can print them however you want. Uh, we've done several things. We've printed them at home and then mm-hmm. laminated them. I think these ones we printed at like UPS or the library, the UPS you... store. Well, I wanted them printed on cardstock, so okay. I think. I printed them at the UPS store. I think it cost me like two fifty to have four sheets printed, um, and then I laminated them at home with my Scotch laminator. Which, if you don't have one, look down the show notes. We'll include a link because they're fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, we love ours. So the whole the whole thing about print and play games, and and Benny did a great job talking about this. If you listen on to his uh, terrific interview is just how accessible it is for everyone to to play, right? As, as you kind of alluded to the $50 game, there are some games out there. You know, I'm looking at you, Trek in the World. Uh, or uh, Twilight Imperium. Well, oh yeah, well, that one's big. But I mean, specifically yeah. for game schoolers, there's games like um, Trekking the World or Parks that are just, they're, they look gorgeous, but man, are they pricey. And it's difficult for us to, you know, especially game schoolers, we want to try to, I want to try to have games that fit all the different things we want to learn about. I want to have games about different areas of time, about different science subjects. About And, and there's not a game that's like a, a curriculum in and of itself. Games are always, you know, they have various aspects that they, they key right. in they on. Have a, they have a theme and then they have mechanics. So yeah. And, and you those, can, you, we can teach with those, but it's not right. comprehensive. And so we always have to leverage multiple games and then all of a sudden the, right. the price begins to grow. The price and the shelf space. I mean, let's face that, right? <laughs> so there's kind of two problems. So you've got the game theme and the game mechanics. So the, so the theme and the information that's presented right through mm-hmm. uh, cards and me- different things in the game can help teach concepts. And then you also have mechanics where you're talking about like math and logic, strategy, and some of that other stuff. So you've got those pieces. Um and yeah, like you say, nothing covers everything, right? So yeah. yeah, we have to have all these different games. Print and play is uh, incredibly affordable and accessible for all kinds of people and super portable. So the game that we're talking about today, Wild Wild West, is a game that uh, Benny created and it is a highly portable. We've actually taken it on uh, three vacations now, or two two vacations where we just we packed took, it in a we, folder. We we took it on our most important vacation, the one we just had 
where we didn't have a child. And it was the first vacation where we didn't have a child for six years. Right. And we, we took it and with we brought us. And we brought it with us and we played it at the bars and the restaurants yeah, and everything. Yeah, we went to uh, Lake Chelan here yeah. in, in Washington State. It was beautiful. As we sat in the brew pub there, we played our, I don't know, umpteenth game of Wild <laughs> Wild West. So so let's get into it. Wild Wild West is a game for, is a roll and write game. Yes. So if you have any experience with roll and writes, you're going to roll some number of die uh, dice and then take actions based on those dice. Um, this game, in this game, you're going to roll four dice. You're going to take one die is going to decide what area of a six shooter, mm-hmm. <laughs> a six shooter board on your, on your sheet, you're going to play into. The next die is going to determine uh, what you play in that and sector. The specific value, sometimes the specific value, sometimes just the fact that it achieves a certain criteria, whether it's less than three or greater than three right. or so even or odd. That second die is, is what goes in the sector. And then the third die is something bad that happens. And I think the the rules call it the bad stuff. We call it the calamities. calamities. So yeah. So so the board, <laughs> the the sheet that you get is basically it's got a six shooter in the center with mm-hmm. the numbers one through six. And then for each sector each does one, a different each one thing. Each of the of the of the chambers represents one of the regions you can play into. Right. So you've got the 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 sheriff, you've got the the judge and uh, the town, the cattle rancher, the, the saloon, the varmints, varmints the, the yeah. train. So each of the areas there's something different going on. So this is terrific if you're doing any kind of uh, early American or Wild West type study. Mm-hmm. It's just the theme is great. And then you're making these very smart decisions with the dice. So the person that rolls the die gets to select which ones they're going to which select one dice select that's one just dice theirs. that's just theirs of what sector they're going to play into and then the other the other dice yeah, the, the the rest of the individuals in the game then select their choices from the remaining three dice right yes. so you're you as the as the player um that turn that you get the best choice and everybody else has to kind of deal with what's left and so you're going to your three dice going to decide what sector you play in what gets played in that sector and then where the calamity occurs. And so your each sector has its own different calamities. And, and a lot it, of times as those, you build them up, yeah, then the worse and things worse happen. things happen to you. Yeah. And and those bad things don't necessarily happen on that area of the board. Sometimes they happen on the other side of the board. Right. And so you may be trying to achieve something over here on one side, like on the say the number two section. And you use up too many calamities in the number four section, and that causes you to lose points on that one that you've been working right. towards. So it's a really great game. Really allows that kind of abstract thinking of managing your goals mm-hmm. and what you're trying to achieve. And then the game has a dynamic where it's purposely trying to injure you and hurt you and take away things that you're doing. I think the varmints are a great example of that where you right. spend so the, the whole time getting the varmints, and then all of a sudden. Boom, more varmints arrive. Right, so the of, yeah. number one sector has got these these three different kinds of varmints. I think it's like a, a snake. snake. Let's say a snake, like a panther. Well, it's not a panther. It must be like a bobcat or... A coyote, a snake, and a bobcat. Okay, so each one of them, like in order to eradicate the snake, you need a, like a, three, a three and a four. And a four, for example. And the other ones, it's a one and a six or a two and a five or whatever. And so once you, you've you played those dice into that sector, you've eliminated that varmint. When you eliminate all the varmints, you close the sector. Well, except 
down where the, I think where the judge is at, if you get too many calamities there, it's going to add a varmint. And so then it reopens your sector that you had managed to close. And the goal is to close three sectors. Four. Four sectors in the game. So once four sectors, either through you have no ability to play into that sector again, Mm -hmm. that closes it. Um, whether you have, I think, used up all your calamities as well. That closes a sector. Yeah, that closes a sector. That as closes well. a sector as well. So it's it's not necessarily that you've achieved everything in that sector. It could just be, a you know, closed down due to, you know, the right. fact that the game is is hurting you in a certain direction. So all the sectors have different modes of play so like the varmints you're trying to get certain numbers so that you can eliminate varmints the cattle ranch you have to get numbers in order in numerical order but not necessarily sequential order um or is that the right way to say it yeah yeah it's like you can get a one three five six right has to be in in order not not in sequence right right. so that was right i said that okay so there's that there's the there's the judge so you're going to go ahead and get a warrant for somebody and then in a different sector at the sheriff you have to locate the capture them that and then capture them and then, and then go back, back to the to, judge and put, them in jail. and put them in jail so you've got different sectors where you want different numbers off each other so, okay i'm gonna I, I i rolled an even number hey that gets me one warrant and then i go over to the sheriff and if i do an even that will find that one you know so evens or odds or higher than lesson. So however the dice are, there's one that's trained cars. And so that one you have to play even odd, even odd. Um, There's the saloon where you have to buy the whiskey for... um, The lowest value. Buy low and sell sell high. high, Yeah. So it actually has two numbers. So you say like you rolled some numbers and you could pick a five that gets you into the saloon. And then you have a one crate i'm going to put that as a one because i bought low right bought the and then i'm going one to and, and then i'm going to apply my calamity somewhere else and, w- and, and wait you, to get a six so yeah, you can so, sell that at a six so, yeah so then the next time it comes around if i roll a five i'm in the saloon and then i have a six that has been rolled i go great i'm going to apply that six to my whiskey bottle so i have a one and a six and why that matters is that the difference between those numbers is how you score that section right. so every every sector has a different score value so Maybe it's a little complex when we're talking about it here, but you just know, so the, you know, the funny everything thing is, is... You, you, we, we looked at it at first and we we're like, wow, this is really complex. Right. The first three or four rolls, you totally get how to play the game. It's, it's, it's actually, totally... it's a very elegant game mechanic. Yeah. And then on top of that, you play it once, you want to play it again because right. it, it plays fast and you want to try different theories. You want to try di- focusing on different sectors. Right, because you can't close every sector. No. Because some of them you'll end up not being able to do. And so you're trying to do whichever ones get you the most points. So you've got one sheet, one eight and a half by 11 sheet, which has the, all the six sectors that you're playing into. And it has the scoring on the left-hand side. Everything's on one sheet. One sheet. So it's, it's it may sound a little bit complex, but everything is written for you on this sheet. So you know, and it's got great artwork. So it's yeah. got, it's kind of this... Um, light brown and it has kind of, sh- of there's shadow images behind all six right regions. Like guns and horses guns and, and horses yeah jails and and like whiskey bottles and barrels and then it's I think just really great the, theme the artwork and and benny went into it that you know he has a really great artist who's been doing this artwork for him and well, you know the work that goes into this is actually very, very like it's very impressive. It's such high quality yeah. for I, we we kickstarter backed this for three dollars. I mean, yeah. it, and well, talk talk about like Benny's funding mechanism and how and right. how some of these games are being funded like through yeah, the Kickstarter so this is, process. Kickstarter is really great because it's it's a way to get creators kind of money up front. It's also a way. Let's say that um, 
that this creator wanted to make this game and just put it out on his website and he's going to sell it for three bucks. Obviously he doesn't need capital because he's not doing tooling and he doesn't have to do a big run of boxes to get printed and things like that, that, you know, a a physical game would have. Uh, But he still wants to get the message out there that this game exists, right? If he just puts it on his website, how does that how does that go anywhere? Kickstarter is a great way to let everybody know, hey, I've got this really cool new game. Um, and they apparently have, uh, he and his partner, Derek Dooley, have a, a ton of games that they've done over the past, I don't know if it was decade, decade or more. Or so, yeah. um, and they're slowly going to roll them out on Kickstarter. So check out the show notes and you'll find a link where you can purchase this game and keep an eye on Kickstarter. We've already played another one of their games that mm-hmm. was also really fun and they had uh just another train game recently so i think i think their plan is every other month or every something other they're month, yeah. they're going to be rolling out a new game i love i love how uh, easy this is to get how low cost it fits a theme i i would it's love extremely to portable see, i mean it's just a sheet of paper it's a sheet of paper and four dice that's all you need four dice and like some grease markers if so you laminate it if right, not we, you just need a pencil or a pen yeah that's right we laminated it because then we could just play it over and over we just put these in uh, a simple plastic folder and so we keep all of our print plays there together when we're going to go somewhere i've got a pack of six dice in there so and i have several different print plays can just take them with us they're perfect to take to a restaurant i love taking these kind because they're they're wipe off so i don't have to worry about one i don't have to worry about taking my expensive games to restaurants or uh the beach or Mm -hmm. uh, on a boat or you know anywhere where you could get them dirty or wet like this is just such an easy way to do it and I also, sometimes I, if you worry, like if you're going to be taking a, a plane trip or anything like that, you worry about not wanting to take your nice games with you. This is great because you don't have to worry. You have the digital files. Well, you can always reprint it. And there are a lot of print and play games that are solo games where they have right. modifications and rules so that if you say you're alone on an airplane, you're like, I don't want to stare at my phone for eight hours while I fly to Germany. Not like I've ever been there before. <laughs> um, you know, you can pull out a sheet. Yep. Start playing, roll a few, roll some dice on a, in your hat and play a game. And you don't actually right. have to, you know, have four or five people sitting around. Now, it's great if you have four or five people sitting around because you can all lament your, your, your calamities. <laughs> but, you know, it's something you can do alone as well if you're just trying to pass some time. Right. I think what's cool about these games, uh, as you say, they often have solo variants. On the other side, they don't have limits to the numbers of players. Yeah. As many as you could print. There's a bunch of the roll and rights have gotten really popular. You um, see them do, do, they were doing them at like conventions and think yeah. they have a hundred people playing have the same role. Yeah, we have a few games where the games are like one to 99. And they <laughs> say 99 because it it's comes 99 plus, yeah. with 99 sheets. <laughs> and so that's why there's only, but these literally, if you wanted to do, if you take games into, into uh, any other kind of settings where you've got like a big you know, family reunion gatherings Mm -hmm. or, you know, when we're allowed to have big gatherings again, I know that's not really a thing. These also would work terrific if you wanted to do play them um, online. Like if you wanted to do this via zoom, because all you have to do is have a set of dice that are rolled and one person picks and then everyone has has their own Yeah, not everybody has to own the $50 game in order to play. You can just play over Zoom. Right. Yeah, this would be a great way to do this um, if you get a couple of you to to purchase the game. Like I said, at at $3, we want to support the creators Mm -hmm. um, that that do this. So if you want to play this with your friends and family, each of you buy it. It's not $3 to print one copy. You get the the file. file and you can print as many as you want. So I... For for me, that's such a that's such a great deal, and 
like kind of going back to the point you brought up earlier about buying all these games because we're game schooling and you're trying to slot in, you know, where, where am I going to spend this $50 and I'm going to spend this $50 and spend this $50. Oh, I got a deal. This one's only 39. You know, a lot of times we want to slot in games that may achieve some other goals, but we, we, we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. These type of games can do that. And there are, you know, not just Benny, but there's a ton of people who are creating roll and rights. There's a lot of roll and rights available. Well, and online. a lot of print and plays, and not yeah. all print and plays are, are roll and rights necessarily. Well, and, the, and not all print and plays are equal. Like, oh, that's Wild Wild true. West is a very good game. It's been play this tested. Top notch. Yeah. This is it has a great mechanic. The the rules are well balanced. That's one of the problems you can get with these type of um, indie, you know, print and play type of games where the rules will be a little lopsided and you'll play it and you'll go, I don't know if I'd like that. We've had this, that issue with mm-hmm. a print and play that we had with the quicks variation, uh, Jurassico, mm-hmm. where there were a couple elements in the Jurassico print and play that used the same dice and the same, um, uh, features of the quicks game that was a little overpowered in certain areas or a little underpowered in certain areas. And those are some issues, but, this game has been really play tested and found to be very balanced. It, it is like very balanced. You, you yeah. don't have any everyone going for the cattle because the cattle is just over overweight. You know, Benny's done a really good job at balancing the rules, mm-hmm. which is where all the fifty dollar games go. Right, those fifty dollar games that you buy have been play tested. The rules are balanced. The outcomes are balanced. The the strategies are balanced. There's not going to be just some dude who's winning it every single time because he just he buys resource cards you know, in Catan all day long, he's actually, you have to play the game. And, you know, yeah. with this game, which which just goes to your other point that you always like about games, which is there's a great amount of luck involved. This is not a game that somebody who's a super strategist is just going to win every single game. Because right. you're still, dice. it still depends on it's what dice, the dice. Yeah, not only what dice are rolled, but the person who is, who it's, who's rolling the dice gets to take one of the dice. So, you know, that perfect dice, that perfect roll might have just come up, but he takes the three and you can't play the three. Right. Right. And so that there's a great leveling aspect there as well built into the mechanics. So again, mm-hmm. this game is well balanced and not all print and plays are. And that's, you know, something we've seen in the past. But what I love about it is the low cost of print and plays. Many of them are free. Some of them are low cost like this one means that I don't have to really think all that much no. about investing in this and supporting these creators. And some games may be amazing like this one. I mean, Other a cup, games, a cup of Starbucks is more expensive than this game. <laughs> right. Other games Pay, may... G- give a couple... Yeah, give a cup of coffee to Benny. And, and That's give, right. Yeah. Uh, other games may be... This game is super well-balanced and really superb. Other games that you find from another creator yeah. might be less or, you know, whatever. It's such a low cost entry. I love to support these folks that mm-hmm. are creating these games. They are pushing the boundaries of what you can do with a print and play and trying to to do new things That's that we a haven't great seen point. before. Yeah, we, which we've, is fantastic. We've played print and plays a long time. You know, we I think ten years ago we were doing print and plays off of Board Game Geek. And you know, these this is this isn't a different level. The the totally the the level that these some of these guys are bringing their print and plays up to is just very impressive. Like you know, you, you take this game, you expand the mechanics, you give some cool, you know, little tokens and whatnot, boom, it's a $30 game in a box. And I, I really yeah. can see that. I mean, I could see that happen. You know, expand this just a tad, same mechanics. So you're getting that type of quality and that playability in, uh, you know, obviously you said it, just a, a game that you can print. 
It's amazing. Right. I think Brenton plays are terrific. I think Kickstarter is a great way to get the word out for them. Uh, these guys uh, release their games under Roll and Write Revolution. So you'll see that on Kickstarter. And if you follow them, I I, I think that we can expect great things from them. Yes. Uh, because this, if this game is any indication of the kind of games that they have been working on uh, and have in well, their we catalog. Played, we played the space one and it was a lot of fun as well. Right, yeah. They came out with another one called Dice Trucking that we played and we really enjoyed that one too. Um, it was uh, just a different and I don't want to get into trying to explain another one right now, but it was also really good. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, support these creators. They're doing a fantastic job. If you're studying anything about the Old West or early yeah. America, this would be a great game to play. It teaches uh, lots of, there's lots of logic and strategy um, and a healthy bit of luck. And it, it's a good conversation starter about the things that would drive an Old West town, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the driving forces behind it. And yeah. so I think it's a great game. I, I really love it. We have played it with, we've played it ourselves. We played it with our game group. We My played mom. it with your mom. We yeah. took it on vacation. This is a, a game that we'll, you know, we'll just keep keep in our stash uh, of Absolutely. great travel games. And um, can't wait to play this with our daughter when she's a little bit older and she's studying early America. Yeah, age, age range, probably eight and above, maybe just a little bit yeah, above that. I yeah, I would say probably eight yeah. and up for this. And so, then, so Wild Wild West, yep. links down below in the show notes. Stay tuned after the the end credits here, and we'll we'll have a little bit of an interview with with Benny. Yeah, he was terrific. So stay tuned. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook, and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling. Hi, Benny. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. This is my pleasure. And I I am thrilled you guys are doing this. You guys are are, um, helping me expand our audience, helping to, if if you will, uh, broadcast the revolution. Um, (laughs) It's not televised, but it's broadcast. It's kickstarted too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're going to kickstart the revolution that's right that's right so so give us some background on you uh you know you're you're a game designer so tell us about you know about what that's like and you know your history designing games and and a little bit about yourself so i've been a game designer unintentionally um since 2008 um we were living with uh roommates of ours or had roommates that we ended up living with them at some point but they were neighbors across the street and um he was a graphic designer and he's like he said to me at one point well we could design a game and i said why would we do that and he said i don't know why not i said okay so it it basically ended up forming a game company um for a couple years after that we published four games ourselves nothing's really in print it's, it was small print runs we we man we literally we manufactured them in the basement of the house we were renting um <laughs> we had this giant printer and we would cut the cards ourselves and packaged everything it, it was it was quite an experience this is well before kickstarter of course uh and so that um that all ended my wife and i ended up moving out here to texas and so we've been here 11 years and so the game design bug never left me. Um, I still, you know, tinkered with ideas and this, that, and the other. Ended up 
I've, I've just made a lot of very good friends over the years. I'll just say that. Published uh, a game called Yakatori with our friend Chris Yurinko with his Daft Concepts. They're um, primarily a laser cutting. Um, they manufacture like game components and things like that. They do um, some different things. So they, they did Yakatori for me. It was uh, the idea came about of actually creating tiles that you could skewer, right? With a wooden skewer. Um, so it worked well. We had a good, you know, very successful Kickstarter with that. Um, I did a couple games with um, Jason Tagmeyer with, with Button Shy. Uh, and so then Roland Rights kind of came along around about 2017. So this would have been um, Roland Rights really were not at the time my speed. Um, I'd played. Maybe describe a Roland Wright for the people who maybe so, don't know what yeah, those are. So Roland Wright um, involves typically a game sheet um, per player. Sometimes there's a shared game sheet as well. Uh, and then there's some sort of randomizer that's included to then generate um, an input that the players would then fill in on their sheet, which maybe then creates um, some other interesting things, right? Uh, so I played a couple and I did, I actually ended up making one as a goof for Sue Sheldon. Um, some of your audience may know Sue's. She does Dice Tower stuff. Sue's is probably the biggest fan of rolling rights on the planet. I, I'm, I'm sure she has literally everything that's been designed. And she's been a good friend to me over the years. We've, you know, we've talked, we've hung out, we've, you know, had different times at, at BGG Con and stuff. Um, so I'd, I'd done this game because Suze loves pie and she loves rolling rights. And so I did this Warful Pie. It's pie the dice game, basically, right? And it was a goof and it was, you know, ha ha, let's do one. And I sent it to Suze and I shared it around on the internet. Um, never really decided at that moment this was going to be the thing, right? And then um, Derek ended up reaching out to me after that. And I'd done a couple more. I had done a, a, a one about giant monsters destroying a city. And by the time Derek got a hold of me, we'd started chit-chatting about, about Warful Pie and, and uh, Wreck and Roll. That's the, the one with the monsters. Um, and so he was like, we should do more of these. I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And, you know, of course, as, as things go, um, I, creativity just seems to happen for me. I'm, I'm very blessed that way. Mm -hmm. I think most things are, are at least somewhat inspiring to me. So I happened to be sitting at the table. This was um, probably 2018, early 2018 by then. Um, I was thinking about an interview that Stefan Feld had given about dice and how he loved the idea of six-sided dice and how the way they seemed to dance across the table when they were rolled, they were almost like they were alive, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why I was sitting there thinking about this. So I was thinking about the number six. And while I was thinking about the number six, I started to, you know, well, what could you do with the number six? And then consequently, the game we're talking about, Wild Wild West, popped out yep. of that. Mm -hmm. The idea of the central... Uh, six mechanism basically the the center wheel um where it was an action selection and so i was like oh cool okay so if you roll the dice you could get into one of six areas and i was like all right well if you get in the areas what are you going to do in the areas and so i was like okay well the the theme for for having a a western game was always there like that was 
basically the crux. I mean, I, in my head, I saw the, the wheel, the revolver wheel. I was like, that is the game. That's the game. And you do stuff in these six areas. Right. And so it, um, it went through a lot of people. A lot of people have had their hands on wild, wild west, have seen it, played it, developed it. Derek, especially has had huge, huge, huge input in developing it. Um, you know, when we finally got around to doing the Kickstarter, we've been talking about doing games since 2018. And um, it was the pandemic had hit and we were kind of just stuck with the idea of, well, what do we want to do? And I was like, you know, we we talked about if we did games, which ones would we do to publish? How would we do it? Would we manufacture them? Would we have somebody else do it? Um, somewhere along the lines in there, there was a company that came out with a print and play of a roll and write they'd done. This was, um, I'm going to mess up the name of the game because I, I don't remember what it was. It was something about the throne. It was the Spanish company that done it and they, they released it for three euros, right? Like it was a Kickstarter, three mm-hmm. euros, you get the game, you print it at home. And Derek and I watched this thing just explode. And it was just like, holy cow, like, wait, that's, that's viable. This is, this is an option. Right. And like the concept of, of print and play was always something that I had known about, uh, you know, way back when there was always folks going, Hey, you want to try my game? Cool here. Here's the files print at home. I'm not big enough to, to have a manufacturing setup or anything yet, but here, try this game on, you know, there were all these different games I played over the years that were print and plays. I was like, oh yeah, this is great. Like, this is so fun. I mean, board, board, yeah, Board Game Geek is like littered with them all over the oh, place. Yeah. I, I remember like, didn't they have the idea of like a wallet game for like, I had the zombie wallet game. Yeah, for a little, for a little yeah. while. Yeah, you got really into to all of these games that we could print components and then take meeples and dice and other things. And like, I, I got like, because guys always have wallets. I was always interested in that, like a game that I could hold in my wallet. So like yes. if I got stuck somewhere, I could just pull it out and play and it was like a zombie game or something i always had it in there i had like a little like a um, paperclip holding it together so yeah you're, you're absolutely yeah, for years right. yeah. you walked around with that in your wallet yeah. i don't think we ever played it when we were well, waiting for it, anything i played it a couple times but like because it was a solo game oh, and that was great right. about it yeah you could just play it alone if you didn't have anything i think that's great what so uh, obviously you know print and plays are great if you don't you don't have to deal with manufacturing and all those mm-hmm. upfront costs and tooling and, and all the, the business of manufacturing but the other thing about print and plays, right? We were talking a little bit before this is how accessible they are. Is that something that really came into your mind when you and Derek, and, and we're talking about Derek Dooley, by the way, just for our audience that might not know yeah, who's Derek Dooley, your, uh, your co-creator, co-partner, I don't know, of Roll and Write Revolution. He is my, in so many ways, Derek is my sounding board. <laughs> he gets just the most raw, unfiltered nonsense out of me. It's he uh, in, I, I, i'm gonna like babble here for a second but I, I hope it's coming across in in my life i am so 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 incredibly blessed i have just amazing family i have a great wife i've got so many great friends that, that i've made over the years in gaming and um you know it was it was one of those things where when we moved to texas i felt lost i was so lost i was like what am i going to do with my time like i didn't have a job yet right like I, I left a cushy job in new york to come here so it's like oh, what am i doing 
with the game company, my sister was like, well, you know, you got to do social media. I'm like, well, what is social media? This was, you know, back 2010, 2011. You got to do social media. Well, what is social media, right? So then I signed up for Twitter. And through Twitter, I actually have made so many great contacts. So I'm, I'm just so, so incredibly blessed. That's where uh, Ryan Sanders, who you all, uh, I think we talked about briefly in the open yep. before we got founder of the game this. school co-op. Ryan is just, he is so fun. He's Ryan has always been one of those guys who will come and find me and go, Hey, what are you doing? I'd be like, man, nothing. He's like, well, why don't you do reviews on my site? That's where the, so the, we did rolling with Benny and rolling with Benny was exclusively rolling rights. So I, I reviewed as many rolling rights as I get my hands on. So this is actually where the print and play idea really came from was, I ran out of printed games that I could get my hands on. So I was like ordering <laughs> games from Germany and Japan, anywhere I could find games to review. I, I was ordering them, right? And I actually ran out of games to review. This was, you know, <laughs> it was like, what in the world? I couldn't review my own games because that would be silly. I'd be like, oh yeah, this game's 10 out of 10. You should play it. It's great. <laughs> At that point though, I didn't have any manufacturing setup or anything. So I was like, oh, well, it's 10 out of 10, but nobody can have it. And uh, so I started to really get in the print and plays. Um, Torpedo Dice was one of them that was a big one for me. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I really started to see print and plays as a viable option. And so Derek and I have been kicking this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then when the, the Spanish company blew up, um, by then we were talking pretty closely with Odin Pong. He's the guy that ran Inkwell. Um, they did the, that big 10 pack of games the roll and write game. So it was, you kickstarted it and you got the book of 10 games, which was great because then you could find your own components. Everybody's got dice and whatever else. Right. So mm -hmm. why would I pay 30 bucks to get more dice that I don't need? I already got dice and I've got plenty of pens and markers and et cetera, but I can print out a sheet for like, you know, the cost of ink and paper, which is, high right now but usually it's pretty <laughs> cheap right ryan had approached me about he was doing oh yeah he goes I'm, I'm doing this game schooling thing and it'd be really cool for you to to give me a game that i can put on a website that people can download for free and i was like oh yeah cool i had created this this game and he, he actually gave me the name for it fortunately good friends have given me names for games all along and so he came up with roll star and it's this uh this game it uses um dice and it uses uh, a, a deck of playing cards right and so the playing cards are the audience that so you're basically the the setup is you're learning how to play the guitar and so you roll dice to fill in scales and chords right and so the more chords you have and the more scales you filled in the greater audience you can play to so the more cards you can when you flip out cards the more you can kind of it's a push your luck with the, the audience like oh hey i can play to you know, 20 people. And so you flip cards until you get the 20. It's oh, okay. School, score, score, score. Um, so I gave it to Ryan as you know, something that would be really fun because it incorporated two of the things that, that he and I both really enjoy, and that's uh rolling rights, of course, but also having a shared experience that you can use to teach with, right? And so um you know, Ryan and I over the years, of course, especially with the game schooling thing, have talked about what could you do with these games? And so when I was doing the rolling with Benny reviews, a lot of stuff towards the end was 
rough ideas for lesson plans. Like, oh, hey, you could use um, Wild Wild West, for example, you could use it as part of a, a lesson plan around, let's say, Western town. Like, what was it like in a boom town? Or what was, mm-hmm. you know, that things was our like thought that. Too. Yeah. We were thinking the same thing when we played it. Like, this is a, I mean, beyond something like Great Western Trail, which is, first of all, extremely complex and very expensive too. Um, that's a big get to buy something like that. This is, would be such a such an affordable and easy to pick up thing that you could do. I mean, you know, somebody could even buy enough copies to do this in a classroom setting, right? There's no, there's not any interaction between players. So you really could have as many players as you want, but a a great way to kind of reinforce some of the, you know, some of the common themes and studying Western towns. And so it would really work well for that. It also really kind of taps in the idea of having to manage disasters. You know, it's so the notion we call that... them calamities, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we always say we always uh, teach everybody that these are calamities. It <laughs> will befall your town. I don't know why, but we just decided they, <laughs> they needed to be called calamities. I think this is one of the interesting things about print plays for me is uh, for us, we don't house rule games very often. No. We don't yeah. change rules on games. We just, we just don't, I don't know. We don't, I guess we don't feel like uh, empowered to do that. But for some reason with the print play, it feels so accessible that we kind of feel like we have ownership on you, the you, game. You like, kind of make it your own. In some yeah. Respect. Sometimes yeah. we're like, oh, we're going to call it calamities. And, oh, we're going to make it then when this happens, this other thing happens. And that makes it more educational. For some reason, we I, we have this feeling like we have more license to be more creative with yeah. it, which I'm not sure if, if anyone else has told you that, but it, it, we feel that way. And surprising, we don't feel that way about the other games we purchased that are already set for you. There's something in it that sparks our own creativity, I guess is what I'm, I'm trying to say. Well, no, I, I love that idea. Um, one of the things that we encountered um, the very first Kickstarter with, when we did Standing Stones um, was we had one of the backers actually, I think the campaign had ended because he had gotten the files and he actually sent us his version of the Standing Stones cards. And so he like fan made all these cards, like like really fun, great. I'll have to send <laughs> you guys a copy. Um, just like out of the blue and Derek and I are kind of like, you know, messaging back and forth, like, holy cow, like somebody likes our game well enough to make their own cards for it. And how cool is that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, with, with y'all and it's like, I love that it's, it allows people the, the opportunity to go, Hey, I made this at home and here's the things that I thought were cool. And here's some of the little things I'm going to tweak. And this is what I call this. And this is this. And I'm like, absolutely. I, I love that. For me, it's, you know, I don't want to dictate to people how they should play my games. You know, I want them to have the experience of the game and go, okay, that was cool. And then maybe it's going to inspire somebody to, you know, create something else or um, create their own thing, you know, create their own rolling arts or create right. their own print plays. I mean, I would yeah. love that. I'd love for somebody to like, you know, shoot back a message, be like, hey, you inspired me to make a game. And I'd be like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's like the general, like, I don't know, just, just that community I, I think, and encouragement aspect, yeah. I think is really fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, so let's talk a little bit about maybe one of the, one of the two games, um, the Wild Wild West. Let's just talk sure. a little bit about like, 
you know, what goes into making a game? What considerations do you make? How do you like tweak rules? Like get into the, you know, maybe a little bit into the weeds on, you know, going from basically your vision and then the cycling back and forth. And you, you had mentioned that you had some feedback and you had some iterations, you know, what, what does that process look like? How long does that take? And then also how do you do all the wonderful graphics? That's, <laughs> I think that's what really made, st- uh, stood out to me for that game is that just yeah. aesthetically, it's very, it's very, very good to look at. So I'm not going to take any credit for the graphics. I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy. <laughs> Mr. Noby's Cabin, that's his BGG handle. We call him Noby. He is our graphic designer extraordinaire. A lot of it was me going to Derek, hey, I made a game. Derek going, okay, what's it about? I'm like, well, it's a Western game. And so I think by the time I sent it to Derek, I had the wheel and I had all of the um, activities, if you will, so, like the, the areas of town were all set. So there was um, the varmints and there was the, you know, the judge and the train and all that kind of stuff. And so Derek played it. We played it a bunch back and forth and he goes, it needs some teeth. I said, yeah, it needs teeth. He goes, well, I don't know, figure it out. And so we kind of bantered back and forth about what that looked like. And then the calamities, as, as you guys call them, I think it's great, um, kind of emerged out of that where, at some point, there was going to be a trigger for an event that actually affected a different part of town. So it wasn't like, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'm almost done filling up the saloon, and that eh, doesn't matter if the saloon goes away. But it's like, oh, no, uh-oh, I filled up the saloon, and now that's going to affect a different area of town that I really need to not have affected. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's one of my like, favorite parts of the game, honestly. I yeah, really that like... That was such a great dynamic you added to it. It goes in different ways, and I and I, we, we've each kind of developed our strategies. Matt's very big into getting the capturing and jailing all the criminals. That's his you know, I, big thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really into maxing out the varmint so it's, that it's that kind of calamity yeah. track doesn't it's, affect anything. Yeah, it's my love for Kurt Russell and, you know, Tombstone, yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny, though, because we've played this a number of times. we played this with uh, our game group. We played this with uh, your mom. Uh, yes. Grandma loves gaming. So we play it with her. We've nice. played it a couple of times ourselves, and we're really developing a strategy. But the more that I play it, the more that I'm, like, figuring out – you. You can see how clever it is kind of on the surface, but mm-hmm. the more you play it, the more I'm like, this was really well thought out. And mm-hmm. we kind of always wonder about this as we play so many games. Like, was it, did you, do you start with the math and going, okay, how do you make sure it's like balanced? It's not overpowered. Yeah, the, the balancing and, question is a good one. Yeah. yeah how, how does that happen? So that's, that is what we call mathing out a game. Um, so for me, I always like to start thematically with some random idea. And of course, with that one, it was a Western idea. But it was, okay, if, if this is, and, and so with, with that game in particular, with, with developing the math part of it, I went through each particular area of, okay, let's target, you know, I think it was right around 30 points. Like, let's see if we can get around 30 points out of each area. And then, it, you know, kind of fluctuated as, as we went. But a lot of it was making sure that each area could score approximately the same as a different area so that. Um, like Matt, you go after the jailing the criminals, which I think is a really, really fun way to go. And I love how those two areas interplay with each other because it's, you cannot separate the two areas. You have to work on both. 
And then Ariel, as you said, like going after the varmints is a really another like very fun idea, but it was like, all right, so these two have to kind of, the two, the Matt, your two have to work together, yeah. but also generate enough points that those two combined can match up with say the varmints and the cattle, mm-hmm. right? Or the saloon and the train. Like, can there be enough points? Can, can you, and, and that's where it's like, you know, how far do you push your points? And so I always try to start with very, very, very basic math. I always go with one. I, okay, you get one point for doing this thing. And then if one point doesn't work out, then it goes, okay, well, how about two points? You know, and somewhere, <laughs> it's always somewhere between like one and five is my, my target range. I don't want to try to like, you know, fry people's brain with like math. Like, oh no, you're over 6,000 victory points now. Like, okay, that's a, that's kind of a lot. It's not dealing rubles. <laughs> no, no, yeah. yeah, right. I mean, you know, that almost feels like whose line is it anyway? Like the, the points are made up and it doesn't matter anyway. Like, yeah. right. As long as we had fun, it's fine. But so I, I really, I go, I go simple math. I mean, and so math for me is the part of game design that I have a love-hate relationship with. Um, I'm currently working on a game. Derek is working on the development end. It's actually a game that came together really, really fast. Um, had been an idea in my head for a long time. And I finally came up with, oh, that's how the game's supposed to work. You know, it had been, been cooked, you know, on the back burner for about a year trying to like, okay, this is going to make sense eventually. And then it did. And it came together probably last three or four weeks. Um, and a lot of it was just sitting and mathing and going, okay, is the math close? Mm. Yes. Math is sort of close. Okay. And if it was like, if you nudged one area, would that throw off all the math? That's what I would think would happen. Oh my God. Yeah. I can imagine. So you're trying to get closer. You could end up further away. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's how wild, wild west went for a long time. Like, in its in its infancy, that game really had a lot of because I with all the six areas trying to you know work against each other, and then the two areas that work together, so the four that worked against those, and it's like you would nudge math one way, and then it'd be like, okay, no, slide it back a little bit, okay, oh, ooh, oh, we're at point five, no, no, point five, okay, let's everybody <laughs> regroup, right, and so. It's, it's me sitting with a calculator, me sitting with a pad of paper and, and just jotting out the figures like, okay, this area, I can make this many points and this many points. And okay, now if I do all of these things and the calamities are going to screw up this area and this area, okay, so those are gone. So now mm-hmm. I can have this many points approximately. And so a lot of it is trying to, I don't ever want to make a game where somebody feels like they're completely blown out of the water. Yeah. And, and every once in a while that does happen. Um, you know, certainly there's the uh, Matt Riddle, the uh, the Ridback boys. He, he's very, very quick to say, we'll play better. <laughs> I'm always the one to go, yeah, Matt, but, but you see, first impressions are a big thing. It's kind of important for me to have a good first impression, especially with print and play that they've spent their hard-earned $3 on and their hard-earned boss's money to print out at work. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hey, I laminated it myself. Yeah, we laminated ours. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I think that's brilliant. That's that's one of the tricks that Susan like had always like banged on about was 
you get a game laminate one of the sheets because at some point you run out of sheets and the company may not exist anymore and then you don't get sheets again. Right. I, I, no, it, seriously, it's happened. Um, but especially with print plays, I love that people laminate them. I think that's the best thing ever. Yeah. And get some really good markers, like those satellite nice. markers. Those we, are so good. So we, we, we steal the markers from the silver and gold uh, right yeah. and roll. Yeah, silver and gold's got going. We also so, use, we love uh, Expo Wet Erase. Because yeah. the yep. problem we've had sometimes with dry erase is that we move our hand across it and it's like, yep. oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Was that a three or was that a nine? I'm going to give myself a nine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, we also played another game, which was the um, the dice trucking. Yeah. Dice trucking is, is currently on Kickstarter. Dice trucking is a really, really fun game. That, that So Derek actually made that one. Yeah. Um, so, t- like, did did you, you did you have any role in it at all? But I mean, oh, at, yeah. at all. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that was so. Derek got inspired by playing my silly games, and he made uh, ancient architects or ancient artifacts. That was his um, role and right. That was actually boxed, manufactured, etc. Um, and so, when we were really talking about games, one of the big things I always said to him, and I said to Odin, was, "I don't want inventory. I don't want that." You know, if if we can do print and plays, awesome. If we can do print on demand, even better. You know, because then that way, folks can get the game at a at a way that's accessible. Yeah, that I, that to me is a mark of quality. But, is that it costs something? It's not just free. I right? mean, the the dice trucking alone. I mean, it's I, I I didn't like. You know, the Wild Wild West is really involved, but it's once you play it once or twice, it gets really it gets really smooth. Like we played the dice trucking one and I was just, I was amazed at what was packed into a single, oh, a single sheet of paper. Yeah, It's amazing how much he's got it. Like, I mean, it's, it's one of those, there's so much that the dice do, you know, mm-hmm. they're yeah. the components, they're the flight, they're the dealing with raiders, they're the avoiding the, the incoming meteors and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, it was a game that, that Derek and I had, you know, he was like, hey, I got an idea for a game. I'm like, okay. And so he told me about it. And there were probably some, you know, hand-drawn um, sheets of, of dice trucking way back when. And um, it, it really became a game that was very, very fun. And it was like, wow, like how, like, dude, you've got a lot going on here. And one of the things that's, that's deceptive with that game you have this really great area for your ship, like this big area. And then you have this tiny little map up at the top. And it's like, wow, like, okay. But when you start playing it, like that map really becomes in your head much bigger and much more involved. Because it's like, mm-hmm. holy cow, what's coming at me next, right? Like, mm-hmm. Well, it, it's it's wild. It's, it's not only a dice game and a building game, but it's also a labyrinth game. And it's all packed into to one thing. It's interesting how you're using a game to highlight something that's, uh, you know, an area that maybe people don't know about, and yeah. it's a neat platform to do that with. So, so obviously you love rolling rights, um, because you've do, done a lot yeah. of them. Is that your favorite game mechanic? Is that the is that the one that you know makes you most excited to play of all the game mechanics that um, games I, I would, you played? Well, so with rolling right revolution, the big push has always been. Rolling rights are cool, but how can we evolve them? How can we push them into bigger, better spaces? What else can we throw at a roll and write and still have it be mostly a roll and write, but also be something bigger, better, different? Um, so like with Standing Stones, it's a domino-driven roll and write. 
where the dominoes are the action selection mechanism and a blind bid. Like, all right, that's different. And then we did Illusions of Prestige as the follow-up campaign. That was in mm-hmm. March. Um, and so with, with my, with my uh, social media feed, I tried to spotlight, I think, every week or so of that campaign. Um, I really pushed for let's spotlight. So Illusions of Prestige is a, a trick-taking game um, about players being magicians and they're trying to come up with these great components. Even if they don't win the trick, they get components towards uh, a power. So they're, they're filling in um, components of a, an illusion that they're going to then create to affect the game in some way. And so even though you could actually lose every single hand with your illusions, you could theoretically pull off a win hmm. in the right circumstances. Right. So it's, it's not so much bad stuff. It's, I'm no good at playing trick-taking games, but I could still do well, right? Oh, this is a game for me because I'm terrible at trick-taking games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Like, I mean, Matt's going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to win every trick and I'm going to be throwing out all the cards. And, and you're going to be like, well, yeah, but check out these illusions. Boom. <laughs> like, How did you? Okay, wait a minute. And so with that game, I really wanted to spotlight what it was like for the unseen voices, if you will, of magic. So there was so many great African-American magicians from, you know, from the turn of the century on guys um, like, like Potter, um, several others. I'm drawing a blank because I did all my research back then. And then it's been three months since then. I haven't had to do research on it. Um, but so there were a lot of, um, a lot of magicians that went that path and did well on you know the carnival scene and did well with all those different things and for me it was a way to say hey there's really valuable history here and there's really this isn't something that's talked about and you know we we felt like it was it was a good time to do that because it helped to spotlight this is an important thing that maybe american history could catch up with and even a great teaching thing because you can play the trick-taking game and you say oh well hey you know, it has the, and on the, the player sheet is, is actually an African-American magician who's like, he's kind of doing this kind of grandiose thing with his cape. And, you know, it, it spotlighted that there was, there's an opportunity to learn more, you know, and that's, that's where a lot of times, like with these games, I'm trying to help folks explore more of the world, right? And I want people to see that there's more of the world out there that we don't hear about, or we don't learn about in our, our typical history or typical means of learning. Um, but then also I like to do frivolity. I like to have fun. Mm-hmm. Rolling rights to, to answer your question in the roundabout way, or I'll, I'm, I'm coming back to it, I promise. I'm very, I, in the end, when it comes to designing games, I'm lazy and I don't like to have to go find components. So I design rolling rights because I don't want to find cubes. <laughs> <laughs> the honest answer. I like them mechanically. I really do. And I'm also very lazy and don't want to try to find my, I have a box of cubes somewhere. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't need cubes anymore. I can just mark, I can, I can draw boxes and turn them into cows and then draw cows on the sheet and then mark out the cows. And there you go, circle, <laughs> cross it out. There it is. And I didn't have to have a cube for it. Right. Like I mean, there's so many people like, Oh, cubes are great. I'm like, yeah, cubes are great. If you can find them, mm-hmm. I've got, little two-year-olds that are about to be three who love game components and they're like dada i want to play dice okay 
Yeah, this is that's funny. We just played uh, GTFO, the planet. Um, oh, yeah. And we yes. actually I mean, it's a solo, but we played we both played a sheet because, again, why not? Um, yeah. And they did the same thing with money where you were you know, checking off different like little dots or you know, circling mm-hmm. areas and then you would cross those off later and circle new areas. They just gave you plenty of room to mm-hmm. do the, the adding and subtracting where you know a lot uh, a lot of games would just said oh we'll just take two cubes from the bank and now you give cubes back but instead you had to really look and do it all on paper and i thought it was really an interesting it's an interesting way to do it mm-hmm. you know to you could just use this one sheet of paper and this set of however many dice and do all of these different things that other games have to use so many more components to accomplish made it them very travel friendly <laughs> first of all yeah. but it's and, it's and um, accessible too right and yeah yeah anyone like talk play. about i'm i'm lazy because i don't want to go find my cubes but how many people in the world have a huge bucket of cubes at their at, at their disposal probably not very many mm-hmm. and so if i'm going to throw my print and play and oh yeah here's a print and play and go find 100 cubes and 40 different pawns and <laughs> a stack of minis like it's not gonna happen right yeah. like right I'd, I'd rather make it very accessible okay grab some dice you know, and if it's if it's components outside of say dice or dominoes or a couple handful of little like tokens or whatever, um, I will always try to include those as a printable with the games. So like Illusions is a fifty-four card deck, hmm. but you get the full fifty-four card deck. But it, I mean, each card is is unique to the to the game itself. Um, and then I included a, a sheet of of tokens so that folks could then print out. The tokens they needed for the game like i'm not going to say oh yeah hey go find uh 12 cubes to play this game oh here here's here's what you need go ahead and print it out you know it'll be fine um the game that i've been the one i was talking about i was i'm really having the math very hard on lately the new the new one um it uses standees right and so i i really enjoy the process of creating these little like weird i, I don't know i've got a a game somewhere in the pipeline called goat expectations um it's it's about goats and so the player markers are are little goat standees and so it's like with the the whole package thing i think there are there's like 14 or something like that little goat standees of different like flavors so there's like one of colors and there's like one of all kinds of different patterns Uh, you know i really try to make it accessible so that folks can play it and feel like they're getting good quality components with their three dollar game like i i can't give you minis i can't give you the printout for a 3d printer because most people i don't have a 3d i mean who has a 3d printer not very many people most people have a home printer and if i can give you a layout and show you how to cut it out in a certain way and cut the little tabs and fold it in just such a way that you have this little standee that stands up and it, it becomes part of the game and it becomes part of the experience. And so this, um, this other game is, it's a train game and you have two standees that you stand up when you gain them and knock them over when they are used. Um, one is an, a conductor and one's an engineer, right? Helpful for trains. So I did um, art on the front of the standees. And when you turn the standees around, you can actually get kind of little crib notes as what they do like the engineer will change value the conductor lets you re-roll and so it's like oh hey oh yeah that's what he does cool all right i'm gonna knock him over and 
do this bonus action. Like, hey, that's pretty smart. You know, I try to look for ways to make the games feel very, I don't want to say like more more than they are because I mean the a sheet of paper and some some dice do you have at home but it's you know i want them to have an experience and i want them to feel like the theme matters you know when i design i, I go theme first i want that theme i want that story i want somebody to play the game and then like you like you guys are talking about with wild wild west mm-hmm. or with dice trucking being able at the end of the game to say holy cow here's what happened you know and with wild wild west when i originally was sending it out to folks and you know, i made sure to include oh hey tag me in on social media and tell me what happened to your town and what was your town's name and what what kind of nonsense happened in your town did you have any successes were you were you good at capturing bandits awesome tell me that mm-hmm. you know because I, I want folks to feel like there's a story right and like each game is a story i'm waiting waiting for the roll and write legacy game you guys because that's my big my big issue with games that are legacy and i think it's i mean i think it's great that you have a special story and you destroy game components or it changes forever and all that stuff but you spent 40 or 50 bucks on this game and then you will never Mm -hmm. be able to play it again and i would love the idea of a legacy Roll and write, roll like, and a, write. like a D where it changes, where no, the rules and the game board changes. So not, the next time you play it, it's not D and D exactly, but yeah, there's whatever you yeah. did in this game has an effect on the next game. So, but you can always restart it. Like, right. Yeah. Whether like when you initially build, you, you know, your terrain or your ship or whatever it is, maybe you do that in pen. So that's huh? set forever. <laughs> set whereas for, everything right. else is in pencil. I don't know, you know, just like something that so some legacy aspect that'd be kind of cool. Right. You know, you oh, you laminate it and you use permanent marker on that part of it. <laughs> and then the rest of it, but you know, you could still always print it and do it again another time. But I'd love that. I'd love that changing story dynamic. Just to just to give you an idea, you it's... and Derek to kick around. <laughs> well, so I mean, this is this where I have to like whisper, like, hey Derek, they want they want that. They want that game that we've been sitting on for a while. And well, that's the thing, cool. right? You, how, how many yeah. games? No, no, it, it, how it many games do you have in the in the closet there? You, you well, said, you said you there was lot, forty-one right? in the vault. In the vault. There's, yeah, there's forty-one in the vault. Um, Ugh, that's, that's a lot not of content. Counting, that's not counting the four that have been released. So we actually have a legacy game. It's maybe called Pineapple. Um, so a lot of these games get like these weird, goofy like projects xyz you know whatever it is related to the theme like wild wild west was always wild wild west and like in our conversations it's www um a lot of them get like these kind of abbreviated titles and pineapple was project pineapple like originally (laughs) and it just became pineapple and so pineapple is this game about hawaii and it tells the story of the impact of industrialization on hawaii basic interesting Um, and it's it's a legacy game where the players are creating uh, a village on their island sheet and over several games they're adding things to their culture right and so it it kind of goes through what it was like for them to experience an influx of weird culture that they didn't really want or need and it was like oh hey now we're leaning our Techno, you know we're leaning into technology and we're losing certain aspects of our original culture right and so it, it's actually it's 
it's a very very fun game um i don't know where it's at in development i um, derek's gonna be like dude stop talking quiet <laughs> um i gave final to him a long time ago and he, and he loved he absolutely loves final it's, it's probably one of his his favorites that i've ever designed um and and i know he really does want to do that game justice and really does want to get it out to the the, the people so i mean there's definitely going to be more legacy rolling rights i'm i'm absolutely certain of it um i think for us we're looking at what are some other ways to kind of push boundaries um i've got a deck building rolling right um that sounds cool yeah it's it's a 54 card deck right so it's not i mean 54 card deck is pushing it. it's six pages of printed cards you have to cut and sleeve and i'm so sorry but <laughs> it's a game where your focus isn't always about deck building. Like there's definitely a deck building component. You're definitely using cards to drive action, but your sheet is a lot of um, engine building. And then you're working on a map together with the other players. It's called pipe fitters. It's a, a game about um, basically providing water to all these different uh, buildings throughout this town. And so you're playing competitively but the map you're sort of playing cooperatively because you can extend somebody else's pipe. And when that pipe does get to wherever it's supposed to go, whoever's on that pipeline is getting credit for what they put there. Right. So it's like, Oh, Hey, you helped me get this pipe there. Oh, and you get some, okay. You got points for it. You're cool. Good job. Right. There's no disasters in that game. Um, it's a pretty slick little game. And so it's, it's one that uh, it's on BGG. I the, not all the files are up there, but I did set it up so that if folks did want to try to make their own maps, all of that's on there. Um, so they can jump on there and do some fan created content, hoping please higher powers. Let's, let's get this happening. Um, I'm not sure when that's coming out, but that's, you know, definitely in the works. Um, so you've talked about a few different games you have kind of in the pipeline. So um as we kind of wrap things up, we don't want to have you stay up too late. Uh, what's the sequence of releases that you guys are thinking for Roll and Write Revolution that people can kind of keep their eye on Kickstarter every, is it going to be every few months? Are you thinking, is that the goal or? So, I mean, the goal is probably one every other month is, is comfortable for us. Um, Cause that gives us time to develop. It gives us time to do art work with Novi if he's, he's involved with one of them. Um, I think the next one we're really looking at is, is this train game. Uh, it's called Train in Vain. It's like after the the Clash song, and it's it's a game where you're you're not having to place your tracks so they make sense. Like you can place them anywhere you want on the map as long as it's legal for your train, right? And you're evolving trains, and it's like it's this really it's such a fun game. It came together so well. I'm really just very very proud of it. But it works kind of in certain ways, like Wild Wild West, where um you have a player who's rolling two dice everybody has two dice but they use they match the values of the dice that were rolled right so if um joe rolls a, a two and a one everybody sets their dice to two and one and then you're doing actions on your sheet so there's not a ton of interaction that way but you can affect your own dice that's where the conductor and the engineer come in right like you can re-roll one oh okay i'm gonna re-roll these dice it's two and one are terrible for me and so it's it's come together very nicely. Derek's got his, you know, his finger on the development faults with that one. And definitely um, I'm very happy with it. It's, it's one that I did not expect it to come together quickly. Um, and we're actually working on the Kickstarter page right now. 
and I'm going to do a video for it tomorrow. So hopefully um, it'll be out soon in the Kickstarter realms because we got to kickstart the revolution some more. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure we'll make sure to link um, your Twitter yeah, handle. I, I think you do you do all your your promotions there. We'll also link the previous uh, Kickstarter campaigns if people want to get those the printables as well. Is there a website also that they can go to, or is that pretty much the the place to go? That's pretty much the place to go. Um, if they go on the gamecrafter.com, you can actually okay. buy printed versions of our games. It, Perfect. You, you basically, you can get the pad of, of, of game sheets and any of the other printable components. So like Standing Stones, um, not everybody has dominoes. Mm-hmm. And so you can get, um, I think it's, you can, you can order the printing components or the, the print and play through them. I think they're four bucks. We couldn't change the price on it. I'm sorry, everybody. We tried. No, we got the It's three bucks. Yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, no, GameCrafter. Early, early buy so adopter. Early adopter right? uh, yeah. credit. But GameCrafter has been really, really good for us. And, and they do amazing work. Okay. Um, Illusions is up there. Um, if folks don't want to print the deck, it's on there. You can get it. I think it's like 10 bucks or something push push shipping of course tax all that but you get a just an absolutely stuck i have a copy of it it's stunning i'm like holy cow i made that that's amazing <laughs> like I'm not, well I'm not, it's I'm not very good <laughs> good to know about game crafter too for yeah. anyone who you know is having kids oh, yeah. make their own games and wants to have it professionally printed so that's a that's a good note we'll put that in there too well we don't want to keep you up any later i know that it's uh late where you are in texas so thank you so much benny for joining us this has been just a fun conversation we really enjoyed getting into the details of designing games and especially games we really enjoy so thank you well, thank you guys so much and, you know, shout out to your audience and, and hopefully they, you know, see this as the beginnings of something bigger for them. You know, I, I, in my life, I, I've wanted to always do things that felt good and made me feel good and, and helped other people. So blessed. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.